Tune to Talkin' Music on your mountain-grown community radio, KVNF. I'm your host, Taya J. I'm joined today on the show by Jane and Brian Spencer of the musical duo Finkel. That interview coming up next. We hope that you enjoy. Keep it tuned right here. you want to give me your mind I try to be like you my number defy you try not to Thank you both so much for joining me today. It's really a pleasure to have you. I want to start out by doing something slightly different, which is to have each of you introduce each other rather than introducing yourselves, if you would. Oh, okay. Oh, me first. Well, so this is Brian Spencer. He is a very kind man. He is a very organized man. You should see the way he maps out all of our tours. Everything is very much in order. He came from sports first, was a collegiate football player, still holds records in high school and college, um, was a wide receiver. And Caesar salad was one of the first (laughs) foods that he really enjoyed. And he loves escargot. This is Jane Spencer. She is from Mackinac Island, Michigan. Uh, she started her music journey uh, in the woods somewhere on Mackinac Island in probably around 2009 or 2010. Uh, her first instrument was a ukulele that she purchased with the winnings of a pull tab card. And she grew up on this tiny little island called Mackinac Island that has 500 people year-round, no cars, and uh, transportation with snowmobiles and uh, cross-country skis. So she's a bit of a woodland fairy. Her favorite first food, if if I were to say uncooked noodles, that would probably be within <laughs> the ballpark. Or uh, she used to just eat lemons like they were uh, pieces of fruit. So either one of those. Wow. Like I said, woodland fairy. <laughs> uncooked pasta and lemons. Um, that's actually accurate. <laughs> there you go. 
Um, that's great. I've heard you describe your musical collaboration as a fever dream. What does it take for the listener or us as the audience to be initiated into your fever dream? Hmm. Amazing question. question. Um, I think allowing yourself to have a different experience of your every day and to kind of look at things that are already in your life in a little bit of a different way. Like we include a lot of instruments that are not traditional instruments like knocking your finger on a glass or breaking ice with your foot and turning it into musical instruments and I think maybe allowing yourself to have childlike eyes when you look at the world or maybe alien eyes (laughs) yeah that's good uh I don't have too much to add to that I, I suppose just letting go most most dream scenarios letting go becomes pretty important and uh, I think with our music it's probably very similar you kind of have to be willing to um, experience something new and get out of your own way I'm curious about this idea of making music out of things that aren't necessarily music do you think anything can be music do you think any sound can be made into music yeah truly that's kind of one of our core values I think is we in the last uh, five years uh, working and creating together we have been trying to train our ears to hear life differently so that we can pocket these little nuggets of sound and be able to utilize them in in our own music. And so it does take a little bit of time just to be present. Being present in life is tough. And if you can do that with the sound around you, then everything can become musical, I think. Yeah. That sprinkler is super musical, that one outside. Yeah, right. Very <laughs> percussive, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's like a little xylophone. Yeah, with, uh, with a nice little reverb tail on there at the end, for sure. Yeah, natural. <laughs> that makes me wonder, when you're out in the world, do you hear sounds where you're like, oh my gosh, we have to capture that? Because that could be, that has so much potential. Absolutely. And now our friends and people who know our music now also know that. And so sometimes people will be like, Hey, I was at work in my doctor's office and I hit my, you know, tongue depressor on something. <laughs> and yeah. It's a, it's it's a really fun thing. I feel like it's a gift that we can pass on. Yeah, truly. I and uh, the the folks that we surround ourselves with, I think, are now constantly adding to our sample library. Where uh, in the past, you know, you kind of go around isolated with a recording device like this one and kind of try and figure out what what you want to say with the natural environment around you. And now we have a a healthy group of friends and family that will text us little audio notes from time to time that will some, some end up in our sample library. Some just end up being stuff that we get to play around with in the moment. But yeah, absolutely. I love that too, because it seems like it's collaboration, not just the two of you collaborating, but collaboration within your community as well. Yeah. We are huge on collaboration just in general. We do a lot of collaborations with, visual artists, um, a lot of musical collaborations, of course, as well. And we really like to, especially for the visual stuff, we pretty much just, it's, there's so much fun and growth and trust when you completely surrender to somebody's addition. And to somebody be- Somebody else's fever dream. Somebody else's fever dream, to be preemptively so stoked on what they're gonna make and then give that energy to them of like, you're gonna crush it, we can't wait to see what you do. 
And yeah, we are gluttons for also collaboration. We cannot get enough of it. Yeah. Well, it's kind of a, it's a conduit for human understanding in in our eyes. And the more that we get to interact with and create with other folks in any medium or none at all, just, you know, even having a conversation can be collaborative, right? So uh, the more that we get to practice that muscle and, and uh, or train that muscle and practice that, uh, you know, premise, then the better off that I think we are as individuals and as humans and, and can try and better our surroundings and the people that are in our community. Yeah. It makes me think that collaboration is an opportunity to see the humanity in each other in a way that we don't often get. And then in addition, it's an opportunity to learn something about ourselves in community. Yeah. Yeah. A thousand percent. I mean, you know, to go to walk through life and expect that, you know, everything is just already so scary scary and and blasphemous and you've already kind of shot yourself in both feet and um you know we we like to try to be as as good of students as we can because there's truly no end to this education and the only way that we can actually you know soak it all up is to again submit ourselves to everybody else's fever dream and and try and you know be a part of it so this is our one way that we know how to, to really do that.
In addition to what you've said, how do you describe your music to someone who maybe hasn't heard it? We call it um, uh, electronic soul pop, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just, it's like music with a good beat and bass and... And our hope is that it's a catchy melody. Yeah. We haven't really been adopted into any genre. And by that, I mean, like, you know, there's the jam scene, there's the electronic scene, there's like the pop scene. We, I, I think we have been, a, we, I feel like, we, but we, we, we don't, we, we don't, we don't fit neatly into anyone. Yeah. And I guess that's. So we can jump around on like different bills and yeah. we can jump around and play with different, we play with hip hop acts, we play with. Acoustic acts, uh, not so much acoustic anymore sometimes, yeah. but yeah, yeah. I, I think we don't know how to define ourselves and because of that, we get to play a lot of different experiences. Totally. <laughs> but for the Spotify's and the Apple's out there and the record executives that might be paying attention to potentially this interview, we like to say indie pop because it really does just kind of encapsulate or alternative pop. It does encapsulate kind of the gamut and, um, you know, when something is so evolving continuously, it, it really is hard to put it, a, a box around it because you don't want to provide those walls or those ceilings. You, you, we, we want to be able to grow alongside our music and, and uh, sometimes a drop down in a selection of genres just doesn't really cut it. It feels almost scary to us of like arriving at a destination to be like, so now we're at this band forever. Yep. Seems really not fun. We're just on the ride of this. I mean, every single album that we've done has been part of a writing workshop that has very particular parameters. One of the first ones that we did, we wore colored lenses for one color at a time for a month each to see if like rose colored glasses actually changed our lives and therefore our music. And so we wrote music in all orange for the month and we did this. And, and so that was a whole collection of music and that's, its own thing and then what was the most powerful color oh gosh the most powerful color i i really loved pink pink was a very happy bubbly i really craved sweets and it's the color that i still wear mm -hmm. i don't wear the other colors so much anymore but i wear pink still mm -hmm. oh. yeah hmm i mean i really think that ep it was Backpack of Snacks. It was uh, our first EP. And I mean, all of the colors have a very special place in my heart and creative process. I think at the time, we were also moving out of Michigan. And uh, blue is kind of a melancholy color. And for whatever reason, you know, blues have never been aggressive at all in my lexicon. I would never describe blue as aggressive, but there was some melancholy aggression, which is, I, I realize a bit oxymoronic, you know, to a degree, but it definitely provided me, I think, the necessary change in mindset to go from, from Michigan to Los Angeles and really try and go after this music career that was the whole point in us getting out there. So uh, I guess blue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and i couldn't stand blue because my glasses were uncomfortable yeah right that also does change a lot about the songwriting process if the glasses don't fit then you know you're gonna get a headache no matter what color you have on your head you know that's why that song was sassy from my end because <laughs> i was we weren't buying the nicest glasses we were just buying glasses that we could find and um, budgets yeah, yeah. <laughs> even yeah. you know if you don't have a big budget you can still 
do elaborate workshops. <laughs> and, um, so, but I think that that's also why it's hard for us to know exactly what our genre is because we, you know, if, if we go to a place that is very much one sort of thing, we would hope that we would be inspired by it. I talk to a lot of musicians and I think the resistance to genre is common more and more of just not wanting to be boxed in or held accountable in a certain way. And, you know, you travel the U.S., you travel to all these different places, different tastes are going to appeal to different locations. And so if you're isolated as something, you might not get a Colorado bluegrass fan to show up and see you play if they're thinking that you're going to be, you know, a far cry from what they're used to. Totally. And I, I think, too, that part of our mission with music as a whole is to try and bring understanding, you know, to our various homes that we have in the world. And, and uh, you know, we get to learn about these wonderful cultures that we didn't come up in through creating and collaborating with folks and uh, the the friends and family that maybe don't have the opportunity to, to get out of their own circles and their own bubbles, but they do have the ability to put in some headphones and listen to their friends and a new album. You know, we hope that that understanding is transmittable through the sound waves that we're putting out there. And again, it's just our, our form of uh, trying to bridge gaps in, in, uh, in, the one life that we at least know that we have. Saw me for a burnout, tunnel vision, at the orbit before I ever turn around. My race and I calm myself, tell me it's okay that I don't know what I don't. They tell me I move too fast and I just might crash if the day comes that I don't. We need some time to breathe, okay? Get me the grace I need. Lay my head in a space that's safe, reminded itself to be nice to me.
don't shift down My feet aren't even touching the ground I really think I need to slow down You've touched on collaboration. I know that vulnerability is something that's really interesting to you in the creative process in general, and I know that it's something that informs your docuseries quite a bit. Will you talk about the value of vulnerability in terms of creativity? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think for starters, Brian and I are in a relationship. To, we're, we're married, and um, we've been together for about 10 years and writing music. Married for almost six. Married for almost six, Just but to, yeah. You know, if anybody's, you know. Checking up, checking up on this. Organize. What did I say? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so I, we, we learned very early on in our music writing process that if there is, um, if there's tension, if there's underlying issues, if, if vulnerability can't be there, you can't create, you definitely can't create the best version of what you're trying to do. So through our relationship, we've learned that you have to come to the table with an open heart and an open mind. You yourself have to be vulnerable in order for the other person to be willing to open up because creating with somebody, offering a creative idea in a situation where it's like, okay, this is the time we're writing a song, musician we've never met, or someone that we know very well. We're writing a song right now. And the the rituals that you can go through the um that's another reason why we like the writing workshops is it kind of removes you from your normal reality and gives you new things to think about and new rules to live by and new rules to break um and if vulnerability it's such a it's such an elusive thing but if you show up with an open heart and open mind you've allowed yourself to wash away the stresses that are on you at that moment and tell them, come to my house, here's a beer, here's a apple, <laughs> and, um, you know, what, what, whatever it is, and allow them the, the possibility to create something extremely good from a place that they would if they were by themselves. Mm-hmm. And, um, and sometimes they are by themselves. Sometimes we're working with collaborator, collaborators who are in other countries, and they are literally by themselves. But I think that in order to allow other people to be vulnerable, you just have to be vulnerable yourself and um, trust the process. Yeah, I think it doesn't necess- they don't necessarily run synonymous, but being vulnerable and letting go of ego, I think, are two very difficult things to do. And they both, I think, run in parallel. And um, being in any relationship, whether it's collaborative or romantic or a friendship, there is a heavy degree of ego death that you have to kind of go through to put somebody else's needs and ideas ahead of yours. And as human beings, we are inherently narcissistic and selfish because it's a survival tactic. And our whole process is trying to break those things down, break those walls down, because that is, again, going back to the whole conduit for understanding and, and uh, you know, bridging these gaps of, you know, whether they're cultural language barriers or whatever, you, you do have to really put to bed your own self-interest in a lot of ways and, and be willing to, in tandem, amplify somebody else's. And uh, I, I think being a, a married couple in a, band and 
that operate as a business, we do have a very microscopic viewpoint of how we do it. And um, it doesn't mean that it's the right way for everybody by any stretch of the imagination, but it, not everybody should be in a band with their everybody. with their husband or wife or, or friend. Whoever. Great clarification. Or yeah. friend, or, or friend, truly, yeah. But if you can do it well, you, you do have a really good shot at understanding your place in the world and how to operate in it at a high level with a focus on other people, which ultimately brings so much joy and and all the good stuff in life comes with uh some level of servitude whether it's uh to you know your partner to a craft or to a city or community like peonia awesome thank you guys so much such a pleasure to talk to you anything you want to add anything you feel like is important sure yeah I, i think just supporting uh your local uh radio stations supporting your local artists supporting your local uh food vendors you know really breaking things down to the small stuff really makes the biggest difference and uh it's the same truly in every community that we go into on tour there's there's really no difference between los angeles and paonia the people are are the maybe not the same people but they have the same sort of heartbeat and um you know, we, we do want to try and evangelize that notion that, that you know, othering is only a, a limit and, uh, and, you know, to try and get into your own fever dream as easily as possible. Yeah. Yeah. And the people that you show up for, it really does mean that much to them. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, follow us on all of this stuff, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> the death of the ego. <laughs> okay, I wasn't going that direction, with this, but I'll take it. It would, we, we'd love it. Yeah. I'm over it, but I've seen enough. I still believe the way it's from. Don't attempt to buy my love. We just heard an interview with Jane and Brian Spencer of the musical duo Finkel. To find out more about the band, you can visit their website, finkelband.com. For more talk and music programming, you can visit kvnf.org. Thanks, as always, for listening. Wake me up when it's over. Just wake me up when it's over. Yes.
glasses There's no harm in needing glasses, breathe